Praise God. God is good? Are you glad to be here today to worship the Lord together? Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and pray as we turn our attention to the Word of God. Father, thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you, dear Lord, that you have given us another Sunday, your day. God, I pray that our hearts are in tune to worship you, God. To worship you in spirit and in truth. May we offer all of our heart, soul, and mind. May we make much of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that our sins are forgiven, not because of what we have done, but because what Christ has done on the cross. Rejoice in that, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this privilege. Thank you, Father, for the answered prayers that you have given us. Thank you for how you manifest your grace in each and every one of us this past week. God, may we truly come boldly and confidently to the throne of your grace and how we need it, dear Lord, to meet with you, to commune with you. God, I pray that you would silence our hearts, that we would humble our hearts before you as we seek your face. May your will be done. Father, for those who are hurting, for those who are confused, for those who are going through some uncertainties in their lives, Lord, I pray that you would meet with them in a special way. Whether it be here or they're at home, or wherever they may, as, wherever they may be at this time as they're watching and worshiping with us at this time, Lord. Be with them. Lord, we pray that with all the noise here in the background, around us we pray father that you would silence those noise even those are those who are watching online lord may you remove any distractions may you block out the noise lord may our hearts and mind be focused to the things that you would have had you would have us do today to simply to listen to worship in the study of your word. So we pray, Father, for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes that we may behold the wonderful things out of your law. That we would learn to cast our cares before you, even as we listen to your word. And may we reflect on your truth today. So help us as we listen. Help me, Father, as I stand before your people. May you use my mouth, Lord, as your mouthpiece to encourage and to build up your people and whatever they may be going through at this time. We thank you, dear Lord, for your kindness again. We worship you. We pray for all these things in the presence of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. If you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word in the book of Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 for the reading of God's Word. And follow along. And this is what the Word of God says. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord, God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. 
then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul discretion will watch over you understanding will guard you delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of right of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversiveness of evil men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways so you will be delivered from the forbidden woman from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God for her house seeks down to that and her paths to the to the departed none who go to her come back nor do they regain the paths of life so you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the path of the righteous for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it praise be to God for the reading of his word let's you may all sit down thank you the study of the book of Proverbs chapter 2 the call to study wisdom the call to study wisdom Proverbs 2 is one of the most helpful passages in the Bible because it explains uh, what growth and sanctification and renewal what all of that feels like here in chapter 2 as you have read as we have read it together I'm sure you could see it in regards to how we all need to pursue and treasure the Word of God you see King Solomon exhorts his son to call out for what for understanding he, he calls out to wisdom like she called out to you as we have seen in chapter 1 verse 20 through uh, 33 if if the son will call out to her she will save him from what from evil as we have read in verse 12 through 19 you see King Solomon tells his son to what to seek wisdom like a hidden treasure go on a treasure hunt for wisdom because wisdom is more precious or precious than precious gold and that's the attitude that you and I need at this very moment as we listen to this message as we look at Proverbs chapter 2 and how we need to seek out wisdom and it's important for us to study wisdom because church when you and I seek out wisdom when we treasure hunt for wisdom because wisdom is more precious than silver or gold as you would see in chapter 8 verse 10 nothing you desire can compare with wisdom nothing nothing yet that you desire think about that for a moment that sentence nothing that I desire can compare wisdom whatever that you have desired you even desire at this very moment if if the son will commit to the father's teaching to Solomon's teaching if you and I will, will if we will commit to Christ the embodiment of Solomon's teaching then we will understand the fear of Yahweh the fear of the Lord and we know God wisdom Jesus is the mediator who brings you into right relationship with God and that is our point of this message is for us to really look into how wisdom relates into our day-to-day -day living and that when you when you and I truly understand wisdom and how we seek it out we see Christ we see we understand the true meaning of the fear of God so first point I want us to see in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2 
wisdom, when we study wisdom, study wisdom like a treasure hunter. A treasure hunter. I don't know. I was at the beach today, this morning, with my kids. I saw a, I saw a man who was with his gadget, um, with a metal detector, right, hunting or seeking some metals on the sand. Well, appropriate for me to look into this passage and, and see a, a man doing that this morning. If you look at chapter one, uh, chapter two, verse one, it says, "My son." Again, you see King Solomon addressing his son. It says, "If listen, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, if making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining you, inclining your heart to understanding, yes." If you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures. Look at that. If, then. In chapter 2, verse 1, it is essential that we receive God's saying that we absorb them on a regular basis and allow them to find lodging on our minds. You see, when, you, when you're here or even watching online, it is important that when you are listening to the Word of God, you're fully engaged. You, you, your mind is not somewhere else. Amen? You're probably thinking like, Pastor, you're right, because right now I'm thinking about in and out. I'm thinking about dinner. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm thinking about not being here. I hope not, right? But I want you to see that as we read God's word, as we receive God's saying that we absorb them, not just at this very moment, but we absorb them in a regular basis. You know, today is what? Day 30 of 31, right? Believe it or not, almost, we're almost, we got one more day left. As we started in the book of Proverbs, I've assigned you or encouraged you to what? To read the book of Proverbs daily. I hope you're doing that. I'm not going to ask your hands, right? To raise them up proudly. That yes, pastor, I've been reading the book of Proverbs. I'm on chapter 30. And guess what? I even read chapter 31 already just to get ahead, right? But this is church, it's an encouragement for us. I mean, few things affect our world more detrimentally than ongoing biblical ignorance. How true it is, church, when you are not fully engaged in God's word in a daily basis, and then when you see all these things that the world throws at you, what happens to your mind, what happens to your argument, what happens to your thinking, they're not biblically sound. Right? It, it is important that, that you and I need to get back into reading and absorbing God's Word and you'll, know, you'll see why. Let's simply note by calling His wisdom treasure. God places a value on wisdom. Listen, listen. God values, He put value on, the, on wisdom above all money. Right? God places a value on wisdom above all wealth and property. Because I know that's not the world's estimate, but it is God's. It is one thing for us to truly understand what this really looks like. That what God values on wisdom above all the things that you may have on this earth. God values wisdom more. So the question is, whose assessment will you trust? Who is best qualified to tell you what's most valuable? See, when you start looking at the things that you have on earth, the things that you've been working out so hard, trying to earn money and spend more time on the world, rather than in the Word of God, rather than in His very presence, what will last longer? What I want us to see is to be, be a desperate treasure hunter. 
I want us to be desperate. So look at verse 2 again. Making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver. You look at the word. If you cry out for the sermon, if you incline your ear, if you seek her, if you search for her, note the words used to describe how we are to look for wisdom. You look at verses 2 through 4, you, you see what you need to do, what you and I need to respond. It says, incline your ear, apply your heart, cry out for the sermon, lift up your voice, seek her, search for her. So I want us to be desperate treasure hunter, right? These are extremely active words. These words are full of energy. They're full of enthusiasm. They're full of intensity. They are full of focus, determination, and, and even passion. When you look at all these words and how it all put together, this is how we are need to look for wisdom. You see, church, when you see that, what I'm saying, that extremely active words, you, you see this, it, they're, they're the opposite of complacency. Did you hear that? They're the opposite of being passive or even waiting. There's desperation here. The, the person who searches like this is someone who actually aware of their need. Did you hear that? Are you aware of your spiritual need or are you aware more of your physical needs on this earth trying to provide for your loved ones? And there's nothing wrong with providing for your loved ones. When, if, when that is your main priority, then it is wrong if you're a follower of Christ. Do you hear me? Because church, when you and I are searching, we can't be complacent. We can't be passive to these things. There has to be a desperation. The reader is called to treasure God's word within him. The word treasure signifies storing up, a treasure stored up in a safe place. So therefore, one treasures that which he stores up. The heart, as in verse 2, it is evident that verse 1 speaks of a proper heart attitude toward God's word. What is your attitude like when you are in the word of God, when, when you are reading the book of Proverbs on a daily basis? I hope that's not the only thing that you're reading. You're reading something else on top of that. Because you are seeking God's word, you want to be in His presence. The heart has the potential of driving one away from God because it is desperately wicked in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. Therefore, the reader should hide wisdom within his innermost being in order to train the heart to think God's thoughts after him. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm sure you're very familiar with this chapter especially in, in verse 1 and 2. Listen in how we need to internalize and how we need to respond to God's word in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And Apostle Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Listen, listen to verse 2. Listen to what the Word of God says. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Church, this is what we're talking about and how we need to really internalize and in how we need to see ourselves and how we need to train our hearts to the Word of God. See, when you don't want the, the things of the world, when you think that when you're making decisions, it just 
And if they're not biblically sound, you know why? Because you're not being in His Word. You're not spending enough time. You're not clarifying. You're not seeking the presence of God. Note, I want us to see, only a born-again person, only a follower of Christ, one who has been regenerated by God's Spirit, can truly pursue God. So don't expect the world, the world to behave like you. All the things that we see in the world, all the news, all the social media, all these things in a day-to-day -day basis that we're so consumed of, don't be surprised they're behaving in such a way, right? They do not have a personal relationship with Christ. They're not a born-again individual. So they cannot truly pursue God. Only a person who knows God, who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, can truly pursue God wholeheartedly and, and, and apply God's truth in his or her life. See, those who are born again and, and treasure God's word have met the first condition in finding true wisdom. And who is that true wisdom? Jesus Christ. So that's the first step. For us to truly understand what that wisdom really looks like, it, it, it is for us to understand and have a relationship with Christ. I want you to look at those words back to Proverbs 2. To incline one's ear to wisdom and to apply one's heart to understanding are parallel terms. So the first speaks of paying attention, while the latter speaks of turning the heart in the, in the direction of understanding. The question is, are you attentive to God's word? What actions in your life indicate that you are attentive? When you read God's Word, are you alert or are you easily distracted thinking of the events of the day? I mean, these are some really important questions when you approach God in His Word. When you have this habit of, of growing in, in, in your relationship with Him, I mean, even at this very moment, you got to ask, are you attentive to God's Word? What does it look like for you to really indicate that you are attentive, even at this very moment, as you're listening? Can I tell you, there's a cost involved in gaining wisdom. There's a cost. God's knowledge and wisdom are not simply laying out on the surface for us. God's wisdom requires that we do some mining of our own. We need to do some treasure hunting. We need to be desperate. We need to really, if you want to read God's word early in the morning, what do you do? You got to really wake up early, right? You got to set your schedule. You got to set your alarm. You know what? You're going to make a commitment, right? You're going to have a schedule to really do that. The second prerequisite for finding wisdom is willingness to pay the price involved in finding it. What price? What cost? The price for wisdom is explained in very active language as we have read in verses 3 to 4. We must plead with God so that He might impart wisdom to us. Look, look at with me again in verse 3. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. See, we must plead, right? Perhaps the single most overlooked discipline in the Christian life and among the most difficult is consistent prayer. This is what verse 3 is speaking of. It's about prayer, prevailing prayer, ongoing and ceasing prayer. Apostle Paul encourages us in 1 Thessalonians to do what? Pray without ceasing. You, you have that attitude that you're constantly praying. I mean, here's an encouragement for us. Let us cultivate a mindset oriented to prayer and a lifestyle that includes a sustained running conversation with the Lord throughout the day. That's what Paul is talking about when he's saying pray without ceasing. You have that constant conversation with the Lord. 
Why? I, I, I mean, especially in this time that we have, in, this, in, in the midst of this pandemic, there are so many things going on in our lives, right? I wish we could all go back to the way it was. I mean, are you plagued by worry? Let that prompt you to unload your concerns before God. If there's something going on in your lives, an opportunity for you and I to what? To commune with God. Are you dismayed by conflict? Share them with the Lord and ask for His intervention. Are you perplexed by problem? Ask for God. Converse with God moment by moment as you experience life. This is what verse 3 is asking us to do. It says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, do you actively ask God for wisdom? Is it your habit to ask Him for wisdom as you daily read His Word? Even as we pray in the beginning of our message, even as we pray in the beginning of our singing, asking God, seeking God for wisdom. What more in the life, in your very life, in, in the situation that you find yourself in, how many of you are seeking the very presence of God? You see, God wants the eager person to pray for wisdom that he might obtain it. Since wisdom is godly wisdom, the reader is dependent upon God to give it to him. Turn with me to James chapter 1. James 1 chapter 1 verse 5. James 1 verse 5 through 8 and the word of God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. Listen, church, we are encouraged to what? To ask for wisdom. So don't, don't hold back. You, you, you look at the encouragement here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. God is a generous God, amen? And he's not going to hold back. So if you ask for wisdom, God will give that to you. He answered King Solomon's prayer, did he not? And he gave him more. He did not ask for wealth. He did not ask for prosperity. But rather, King Solomon asked for what? He asked for wisdom. We need to stop and pause here and really think, what are the things that we're asking God? Is the list on our prayer list are more of the wants or the needs or even May you will be done, Lord. Are we seeking God for who He is? Turn with me to Psalm 27, verse 11 to 13. In Psalms 27, verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You see, church, as we go back to verse 4 of Proverbs, 1, uh, Proverbs 2, verse 4 demonstrates that along with prayer, great diligence must be spent in seeking for wisdom. The reader is to what? Is to look. The reader is to what? Is to search. So search for wisdom with as much zeal, enthusiasm as he was looking for silver or treasures. We're talking diligence and effort here. I mean, how many of us do that kind of work, are willing to put that kind of work when we're searching and seeking out wisdom. 
It takes effort, amen? It takes effort for us. It takes diligence for us to, to read, to be in God's Word. But how many of us doesn't take a lot of effort to be on our fill in the blank, right? But why does it take effort? Why do we have to be diligent and seeking out wisdom? The saying caused us to see God's truth as if we're digging for silver to search his mind in the way we would pursue hidden treasures. This is, it's an earnest, diligent pursuit of the mind of Christ. And if you and I need to understand of who Christ is, we have to be diligent. We need to pursue the mind of Christ in this way. While we don't have to earn His favor, and we can be sure that He's not withholding insight to make us work harder, we must nevertheless cultivate a desire for His wisdoms that no less intense than our natural lust for wealth. You see, cultivating a desire for divine wisdom begins with a decision to make it a priority and to begin pursuing it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21 tells us, And Jesus said, Where your treasure is, Amen. There your heart will be also. I mean, it's a biological principle that you will increasingly value whatever you make it a habit to what? To pursue. So Solomon declared, therefore, that our cultivating an earnest hunger for wisdom will be rewarded. In verse 5, then, listen, as you seek out wisdom, as you search for wisdom, there will be rewards. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. But it takes work, amen? It does take work. Right? It, 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 you kind of like you remember when you, were, when, when you were dating, for those who are married, right? When you were dating, how many times you search, you want to know what annoys her. So you will not, so you'll, you'll be careful around her, right? No, 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 that's not what I'm just talking about. You, you, you do your utmost to search what she loves so you can serve her. So church, in the way we look at here, there's this habit of pursuing God. So if, if you lost a bag of silver, or even if you lost your keys, what do you do with that? Man, you go berserk. Like, where did I, where did I, I, I know I left it, I'm like that, that's me, right? I have short-term memory, so like, I know I left it here and it's gotta be here somewhere, right? When you lost your wallet or when you, when, how many of you have a brick of gold in your home? Amen? Brick of gold, amen. There's a few of you here, praise God. All right, thank you for providing for the need of the church. Right? I mean, if you just have that pork cake, right, 20 carat or whatever carat you have, if you, right? I, I'm sure how many of you wives who, you know, you got your, your husband gave you a ring, and like you misplaced it, and you're probably like, man, I need to find that ring, right? Because my, if my husband finds out, he's probably going to get me a newer one. <laughs> Amen? Can I ask you a question then? What value do you place upon wisdom? What value do you place upon wisdom? God compares wisdom to treasure. The reality is that wisdom is far more valuable than a brick of gold. Turn with me to Psalm 19, verse 10. Psalm 19, verse 10 says this. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And this is talking about the Word of God. And how you need to see God's word in this way. 
It ought to be more to be desired are they than gold. Yes, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. And that, that is our attitude when we're seeking the Word of God. If acquiring God's wisdom is that important to you, you will show great diligence in acquiring it by actively pursuing it by reading and hearing God's Word. To understand who Christ is, to understand what wisdom is, what do you have to do, church? Talk to me. You got work to do, amen? You have to be diligent. You have to pursue listening and hearing God's Word. These verses force the reader to make a decision. That's what it's calling us to do, church. As you're listening to this chapter, it's making us a decision. Imagine what we might discover if we took this attitude to our daily Bible reading. Imagine if we take this attitude in our prayer closet. Imagine if we take this attitude to our discipleship in our small group, to, to our fellowship, to our church attendance, to our church family fellowship. Imagine all what could this happen when you are actively seeking God's wisdom together and being in His Word. So I'm, I'm saying all this, right? That sounds like a lot what? A lot of hard work. It's true. It takes hard work to pursue God. It takes hard work to, to know more. We, we must. Yes, we know that we understand that. And the question is, why should I put so much effort or diligence into it? Why? I mean, you look at the moral benefits of wisdom, which us gets us to the second point. Study wisdom for moral benefits in chapter 2, verse 5 through 21. So now we come to the payoff. This is why we spend time, church. This is why you spend time seeking wisdom, being diligent. It takes work, admitting that it does. There's a payoff, there's a reward. Here's why you should study God's wisdom so actively and so seriously. There are moral rewards, there are moral benefits. You see, there are four ifs in verses 1 through 4. Verse 5 starts with then. Then. Verse 5 tells us the consequences, the outcome of turning the hypothetical ifs into realities. If, 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 then, you'll get a greater awe of God in verse 5. Listen, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Right? You see what verses 1 through 4 is talking about. Now you get to truly understand you, you'll get a greater awe of who your God is when you take the time to seek Him out in His Word. That's what understand the fear of the Lord means. It's not just cognitive, more knowledge, but emotional and spiritual. This is a wonderful reward. God made us with a longing for the transcendent, something bigger, something higher, something greater than ourselves. you'll get a better theology. This passage tells us that if we seek wisdom like a treasure hunter, we'll become a good theologian. We will find the knowledge of God. If you and I just take time to read the Word of God within its context, we will know more of who He is in our lives. Amen? Not just the verses that you see on your social media. But you got to spend time in reading God's Word. Remember, wisdom in Proverbs is, is practical skill in living. It's not just sitting in a library reading books. In other words, uh, practical Christianity is the way to greater theology. We don't become better theologians just by reading books, by, but rather by living out our faith in the world. Yes, we may read God's Word, it, it, it is lived out 
within the people that we surround ourselves with. In verses 8 through 9, you'll see here, you'll get better judgment. We are told that study of God's wisdom will, will shield, will guard, will guide and preserve us when it comes to making judgment about people and situations. And that's what verse 8 and 9 is talking about. It says, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity in every good path. See, when, we, when you and I are studying God's wisdom, it will truly protect us, it will shield us, it will guard us from wrong judgments. In verse 12 through 15, you'll see a defense from the wicked man. Through wisdom, God delivers his own from the wicked influences of man. Being influenced by wicked men means a person is ultimately led into the very actions of the wicked. And this is why, which is why Solomon said that wisdom is given to deliver you from the way of evil. It's an defense. And when we have God's wisdom, we know how evil man behaves and what the Word of God does to us. You see, wisdom enables a person to identify the wicked and identify their perverse ideas. God's Word prepares the mind of the believer so that he is not deceived by the wicked philosophies around him. Can I tell you that? Can I encourage you that? That with all the, with all the philosophies that's going on in the schools, in the world today, this is why it's important for us to go back to chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, and really read that in how we need to make effort and be diligent into reading God's Word because of, so we will not be deceived by the wicked philosophies that is around us. Furthermore, according to verse 13, wisdom is given to deliver a person from those who leaves the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. This is simply a restatement of the previous verse for emphasis. The wicked, those who are not rightly related to God and therefore do wicked things, are those who have left the path of righteousness. They, they don't care about living according to, what, to which is right. That's what King Solomon is describing us here. They forsake God's way so that they can walk in the ways of darkness. And you see that it's prevalent in our society today with all the things going on. Everybody is just behaving. I mean, Pastor Junior and I are having this conversation before church in how what we see in the news today, what we see on social media, in how people are behaving. We need more of God's word in our lives. Amen? We need to teach our kids, our children to the ways of the Lord. See here, they, they forsake God's ways so that they can walk in the ways of darkness. Ways characterized by sin. Furthermore, God's word gives wisdom so that the believer is protected from those who rejoice in doing evil. Look at the wicked. They rejoice in what? Doing what? They're doing evil. You see a lot of that today. I mean, you turn on the TV, that's what you see. They're rejoicing, they're happy, they're mocking people for doing evil. So it is not that they, that they wicked aren't happy. They are happy because of evil and perversity. Right? You're wondering why they're so happy, why they're so, they get all hyped up, right? They get all excited about throwing people or hurting people because they're what? They, the things that they're doing are evil. So don't be surprised. Such happiness is founded upon ungodliness. Therefore, the happiness they experience blinds them to the ultimate destructions which lies ahead. So King Solomon concluded this section by saying God's word functions to protect the wise from those whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. God's word, church, if you and I are spending time, if we are diligent, it protects us from those things in what we see in the world today. The wicked use 
uh, deceitful means to trick others into following their wicked schemes. So therefore, God's word gives wisdom to protect our mind. How important it is for us, church, to really be in His Word. God's Word, when properly understood and applied, protects the believer from deceitful and wicked influences which threaten to destroy one's life. That's what I want to encourage you. When we understand, it is important that we preach God's Word to you faithfully. That we're going through chapters after chapters. We're going verse by verse. And, and we're doing that by the grace of God. So that we will not be swayed by the evil ways. And, and there are a lot of Christians out there who just like, oh, they just do this and that. It, it is important for us as a church. And it is our convictions uh, as those who stands here in, in this pulpit. That, that, that we would encourage them to see Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because of the way the things of the world today. Turn with me to verse 16 and 19. Listen to this. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Verses 16 through 19 continue to describe the benefits of being guided by God's wisdom which is recorded in His Word. Through wisdom, God delivers His own from the many temptations they face in society. You see, verses 16 through 19 focus upon the temptations a young man faces from whom? The immoral, the seductress women. Listen, right? This immoral woman who is a seductress, one of the tools of her disposal is her what? It's her speech. It's her speech. She flatters with her words, causing the young man to lose perspective. Oh, you look good today. Right? I mean, that's not how she sounds like, right? You're so handsome, right? I love, I love to hear that one from my wife. It's, it's real, right? It's not seductress. It's genuine. But when someone else tells me that, oh, man, I need to run away, right, Junior? Right? Let's stay focused here, right? And because when, 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 and here's the father talking to his son and giving him guidance. When you are in the word, when you hear things like that from a, a certain woman who is tempting you, right? It, it might not be um, someone physical, a woman. It, it could be someone on the screen if you're not careful. It could be someone on your phone, if you're not careful. You, you know what I'm talking about. You could be creative with that. I mean, the key here is in verse 16, her smooth words. Again, words are what we must watch for. So man, husbands, when a woman who is not your wife, who flatters you, can I tell you this? run away. Be like Joseph. Run away. Run away. Because if you don't, if you don't, what happens? Even if you are dating someone, that could also relate to you. Especially if your pursuit is marriage then this will incur this encouragement for you to you for those who are single when a when a married woman says to another man i want you you're handsome you make me feel alive again mm. you make me feel alive again right 
That woman has forsaken the man she fell in love with and has forgotten her covenant with Christ. She's offering you her love. Her husband means nothing to her and she wants you involved. So this, this seductress is clearly described in this passage. First, she is one who forsakes the companion of her youth. That means her husband. She is unfaithful to her husband and seeks new and is bent upon satisfying her sexual appetites with other men. Furthermore, she is one who forgets the covenant of her God. Her desire to go after other men is a demonstration of the fact that she has turned her back on God and the covenant. So King Solomon warned his son of the ultimate consequences consequences of associating with such a woman. It says her house leads down to death and her path to the dead. The sin of adultery, right? In the Mosaic Covenant was punishable by what? By death. So a young man who is enticed by women into an illicit relationship must understand that there are serious consequences for yielding to temptation. Take note, take note, this is not just for the young man. The author may be using that in the sense of finality here. Says verse 19, no one who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. That same finality is mentioned in the New Testament. Apostle Paul said that the one who commits sexual sins harms himself contrary to the notion that free sex is gratifying and fulfilling. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, Do you not know that he who is joined to our harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Thank God for Jesus Christ. But if wisdom has entered your heart, you will know what to do. Right then and there, at the moment of temptation, what do you do? Run. If you are married, go home to your wife. Look deeply into her eyes. Tell her you love her and give your heart to her completely for the sheer joy of it all over again. When you're looking at screens of other women that you're satisfying yourself physically, this also could go for women, not just for men. Especially if you're married. Find that joy why you marry that individual, that your spouse in the first place, amen? When you're sexually tempted, physically tempted by another person, by the opposite sex, you need to find out joy. Go home to your spouse and serve him or her with some good food. You know what I'm talking about. If you are single, go home. Kneel down in prayer and give yourself body and soul all over again to your Savior and to your Lord. That is wisdom going down deep, protecting you. This is how when we are involved, this is why I'm saying in the beginning that it takes work, it takes uh, diligence, it takes effort. Why? Because in such a time of temptation, we can what? We can run away. Right? It's kind of like Joseph. He knew his word. Amen? And that's why he was able. He had God's wisdom in him. He had that fear. He had that awe of God. And he has that personal relationship with God. And so that's why he was able. You know what? I'm not going to mess with my God. I'm not going to mess with you. Because you know what? This is not for me. I don't want to sin before God. So I'm going to run. We need to be on our knees. If you are tempted today, if you find yourself tempted in whatever way, if you find yourself in sexual sin, kneel down before a holy God and confess and repent of your sin. If you need help, seek out a pastor. Seek out a brother who is, who is mature than you, who, who, 
or someone who's not struggling with the same sexual sin as you. Wisdom is more than avoiding sin. That would be merely negative. But when you look at verse 20 through 22, point number three says, study wisdom protects your path. Here in the conclusion to Proverbs chapter 2, the father figure points to the resource we all need for constant new beginnings in our lives. In verse 20 says, So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. I love that. So you will walk. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Listen. So you will walk in the way of the, of the good. See, the Bible is not holding up a standard and leaving us to ourselves. These verses are good news for weak people. The clue is the land. It's the place of God's blessings in verse 21 and 22. If you want a new heart of wisdom, you've got company. says the good, the righteous, the upright, and those with integrity. Listen, highlight those words. I'm with good company. When I sense that I'm tempted sexually, I need to run to my brother who is upright, who is good, despite of his weaknesses. Amen? And this is what we see. Says it's far better. We are all together in the land. That is, in the New Testament terms, inhabiting the land is Old Testament code language for abiding in Christ. Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you in John 15, verse 7. Jesus is not only the wisdom of Proverbs, but He's also the Son who perfectly listens to His Father, perfectly keeps the covenant, and avoids immorality. However, in the end, Jesus takes the penalty that covenant breakers like us deserve. He, he went down into death for sexual sinners like us, but three days later, He triumphantly returned to the path of life. Through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, he has defeated all of our enemies. It is not avoidable that they will drag you down to death. He can rescue you from them by empowering you to walk in wisdom. It is not avoidable that they will cause your exile from God forever. You see, Jesus came out of that to inherit the whole earth, and, and you can be his co-heir if you are united to him by faith. If you find yourself giving in to evil, consistently rationalizing your sin, justifying your sin, or being enslaved to sexual sin, then circumstances may be revealing to you that you're not listening to the voice of wisdom. Listen. If you find yourselves in that situation, then it's most likely that you're not what? Listening to the voice of wisdom. And who is that wisdom? Christ. You have instead been seduced by the voice of another. If that's true, here's an opportunity for you to repent, to come to Jesus, the wisdom of God, and follow His leading voice. Listen, listen to Him. He has the words that lead to life. See, all that King Solomon was guiding and protecting his son was from God's Word. You may be here today wondering, you know what, how can I find victory in my sexual sin? Listen to the voice of God. Listen to Christ. Abide in Christ daily. Be diligent. Be, work at it. Be faithful in reading God's Word. You see, when you and I listen to Christ, He has the words that lead to life. Amen? Not to death, not to destructions. He has the words that lead to life, to everlasting life. My question to you is, what will you ask your all-sufficient Savior to do for you today? 
what will you ask all your sufficient Savior Jesus Christ for you today? Ask in your weakness, face the temptations of this world. Your most meaningful prayer is to call out for insight. And this is where you need to be, church. We need to pray before God, to come to Him confidently and boldly.